What's going on, everyone? We hope you're ready to enjoy a fantastic episode of Polos and Khakis. But first, we have very important news. Liz, what's going on? We are officially partnered with Nexus Sports Medicine, and they are the sponsor for today's episode. Um, We're super excited, and we are happy to announce that the DV2s are being shipped out now to everyone who's pre-ordered. And starting Thursday or Friday this week, they'll be available for future orders. And Thursday is going to be an even better day because the patches for um, Nexus Sports Medicine also go live. I have seen both the DV2s and the patches on Instagram. They look sweet. I may also have to get one myself. Um, definitely swag out on the sidelines here in the, ne- in the spring season and the f- uh, following seasons to come. If you would like to order your own, please hit up Jay on Instagram at Nexus Sports Med or visit their website at nexus-sportsmed.com. Please enjoy this episode of Polos and Khakis. Hey guys, it's Liz. What's going on guys? It's Dan. And this is Polos and Khakis. We got a very special guest for us today, uh, Mr. Jay Ostia. He received his BS in athletic training from Temple University, shout out Pennsylvania. He then went to the University of South Florida to get his master's in athletic training as well. He's currently an athletic trainer um, at PT Solutions in Tampa, Florida, and he's also the owner of Nexus Sports Medicine. Jay, happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. (laughs) That's true. I was thinking about it um, a few minutes ago that you're one of our few repeat guests. Yeah, odd coincidence as it is, <laughs> but it's uh, it's really it's, it's it's great to be back here though. It's cool. Well, yeah, last awesome. time we spoke to you, you were in the master's program, almost uh, almost graduating. So it's been what almost two, maybe two three years. Yeah, and it's crazy just how much you both know too. Experience how much has changed from that time period. And I was just trying to find my way as a GA, and then y'all are still students, so it's, it's now it's full circle. We're you know all changing in different directions. So I want to start out just asking you about the name Nexus. So your business is called Nexus. How did you decide on that as your your brand? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll tell the funny story about it first. <laughs> but um, yeah, so really going into, I guess I created my LLC. It actually, I was thinking about the name for a month. I had nothing just going on that was working. And then, you know, just dabbling in my head about just different, I guess, names that sounded cool. And then I don't know why, for some reason, years of war popped in my head. So I know we're, we're going in a really crazy direction here, but I remember they talked about, um, you know, the, and if for anyone, whoever's listening, I played Gear, Gears of Wars and Gears of War 2. They called um, the place they're trying to invade. The hive was called the Nexus. So when I heard of that, I was um, thinking, okay, okay, it sounds badass. And, you know, I looked into the title and what really Nexus meant. I, it, really, it really matched everything I was trying to do. So... If you look at the definition of nexus, it kind of just means just uh, connecting things. Literally, that's what a nexus is. A nexus is kind of like a chain. So that's how kind of incorporated, you know, my culmination of, you know, my passion for art, sports medicine, and um, military stuff with a little bit of culture too. But that's really that how it's kind of nexus came to be. My other names beforehand were just god awful. I don't even know if I want to talk about them here. <laughs> I've listened to other podcasts about just how they got their name as well. And everyone says like when they first, you know, put it down on paper, they're like, oh, that's terrible. It's just, it's so bad. It's not going to stick. 
and then they kind of look back on it. It's like, you know what, like now, like it makes sense. It kind of fits what we want to do or, you know, what we're talking about or trying to sell. So, um, I, the story behind it's great. I never would have guessed it was from Gears of War. I've never really dabbled in that, in that area. So, uh, I'll give it to you for that. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, for anyone who's listening, it's def definitely take your time <laughs> coming up with your, you know, your name, your persona, name brand, all that stuff. It, it definitely matters down the line. And I'm like you said, I'm, I'm glad I took the time to really think about it. Mm. I'm really curious to know what your other options were. You don't have to tell us, but I always find it really fascinating to hear yeah. like some of the working names that people had for businesses or like books, movies, TV shows. It's always funny to hear what like the alternatives were because some of them you're like, wow, that would have been awful. And some of them are like, wow, that would have been sick. <laughs> yeah, I'll name a couple. One of the ones that really, that almost got there was uh, Storm. Mm. Just Storm Source Mess and just, you know, a little tribute to the Tampa Bay area. Of, and I just thought it was, you know, unique and edgy. Um, the other one that really, this was super close. This, this was a tough one. Uh, Kinesthetic Labs. Mm. Kinesthetic, it was, it was so close, but um, you know, not to hash anyone else who has those names or similars, but there's a lot of businesses out there, small businesses too, that have that name just kind of with, you know, kinesia, kinetic, and that's where I just kind of wanted to, again, it's all about being different, but kinesthetic labs was, it was cool. I just thought, you know, having lab in there was, and a kinesthetic, you know, just a form of awareness of everything. And that's, you know, something, a body that, you know, the nexus is about. I don't know why you said kinesthetic labs and I immediately thought of prestige worldwide from stepbrothers <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> all right here's but, the worst I mean, one <laughs> triplex alpha was the worst one i have no idea where that came from but <laughs> but you've mentioned stepbrothers that's hilarious too that's awesome yeah i don't know why because they're given like the pitch in the movie it's like investing portfolios black black leather gloves yes <laughs> so another thing that's kind of unique about um, Nexus is the logo itself. Um, kind of, kind of the same thing about the the name. You know, how did the logo come to be? I know you have a art background. Did you kind of use that to your advantage when you created it? Oh, absolutely. Um, same thing. Kind of with the failures. You know, first come with the Nexus name. You know, I thought about. You know, can I combine? I guess military symbols, art symbols, athletic training symbols into something you know unique. That didn't work out. I thought about just doing. You know, kind of, some companies have their own little iconic. I guess, you know, unique little graphic for a logo. Um, looked into that and that just, I don't know. I just didn't really find anything that really hit me. And then last thing I was like, okay, let's just tie into my culture, you know, my Filipino background. And I kind of looked at um, some animals that are, you know, with the culture. I first thought about it was going to be the Carabao. The Filipino Carabao, the bull was going to be one of those first iconic symbols, but um, it's kind of been heavily used. And then one day I was just looking at the Filipino Eagle and I just saw some graphics that just said, man, this is, this is it. And then going into the current logo I have, there is a graphic artist who, who, um, just made his own iteration of the Filipino Eagle. I asked, and he's a Filipino artist. I asked him, Hey, can I, you know, can I pay for the rights to use this? I, I love it. You know, I'm, me as an artist, I'm all about supporting other artists and the vision. And he said, yeah, sure. And that's how, this that logo came to be and i'll always give credit to uh the guy over in the islands who he's really the originator of the design i just been kind of playing around with it so, so kudos to him who's doing it it's a really sick design i like that it looks 
it looks so cool in like all the iterations of it because I know you have like the color version and then the one that's more like monochromatic and I feel like every time I see it I'm just like that's it really is like a good iconic symbol because you don't see anything like that in other brands absolutely yeah and same thing just about being different I wanted I know it's kind of it's very different in the sense that you know no not many sports medicine companies have something like that on there but you know what's i really want to push out also just promoting you know that a symbol from the filipino culture can be you know the headstone of something sports medicine just to put it out there mm. and also no you know wrong use of appropriation of symbols the, the person behind my company is me who's part of the culture just wanted to you know mm. hit that hard and do that mm. but with the low vari variations it's i i'll probably tell you i spend at least twice a week just 30 minutes just playing around with iterations of just playing around the logo the colors all the different apps i use just to see how can i make it look different and the different themes you know for the different things throughout the year but so how did nexus itself come to be you know, obviously you know you're um you know fresh graduate from usf in 2019 so a couple years out did it kind of think like oh like my sling pack's too small you know it doesn't look cool um you know it just doesn't fit what i need um to be an athletic trainer if you know how did that idea of I need to make something different, you know, to help me, you know, stand out from the rest of the brands. Yeah. Um, I think just, I guess of that, I really, I guess the initial ideas of just doing um, product design came from doing a per diem event. So I was just hanging out. It was actually, I was with Thomas. So shout out to Thomas. Hopefully he listens to <laughs> him and I work in a per diem event over in Davenport for lacrosse. And then I guess just one day I was just, just kind of jotting down and looking at things and thinking, yeah, what if I, you know, I just wasn't satisfied with everything in the market, not just slings, just kind of guess every, every single piece of gear. And I will tell you, I spent hours of going on Amazon, different tactical websites, you know, my research from when I was back in the Marines, I just knew that by looking at how something was designed, how it's put together, where certain things were, I knew within the first two minutes, it's not going to work for me. And that's where I figured, shit, I can just draw it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> So I kind of just, you know, put some ideas together, just the materials I knew that was that were going to work. And I guess that's where really the first idea of the sling bag came about. So it was a, really wasn't about putting into a business yet until I had three more product ideas. First one, I can't, I can't reveal yet until I get closer, but the sling bag actually wasn't the first idea, just, a, just as a funny story. The first project I had before even starting Nexus failed horribly. Uh, I spent $200 on a prototype that I never received after six months of waiting. Uh, so kind of just, you know, lessons learned no. um, just in the manufacturing world. And thank God I got a refund. But it was, yeah, the, so really the sling bag was actually the second thing that was been kind of put, you know, put about. And that's where I guess the idea of just really making the business and then Nexus, you know, went in there. So for people who maybe aren't familiar with Nexus, um, could you give us like a really quick summary of um, kind of what Nexus offers now and what you're hoping to be able to offer in the future? Yeah, sure. Uh, the flagship product right now is the Deadbug DV2. So the Deadbug DV2 is a, I would say medium-sized uh, tactical style sling bag that pretty much is designed for athletic trainers, but I put into the design, I guess, organization that can be used for anyone. So you don't have to be an athletic trainer to use the Deadbug. You can, be, EMT can use it, a nurse can use it. An everyday bag enthusiast can carry, use it. Uh, someone who's very, tech savvy with all their, you know, excuse me, camera equipment, all stuff can use it. So really to anyone, it could be a diaper bag, a uh, truck bag, 
And uh, if it has a couple of features where you can wear amp, you know, ambidextrous has a cross strap that'll help secure the bag when you're running around. And it does, it just does a lot. Um, if you just literally go inside it, you'll see what it can do. So it's hyper, I'll say it's hyper, hyperly OCD organized inside and we're not done yet. <laughs> uh, so after the dead bug DV2, I have the laser cut Cordura AT patch. So there's multiple different uh, backing colors, different reflection options coming into on its way right now actually are the med cross patches and the ouch pouch patches. So they're in route. So they'll be dropping soon. And I have multiple product drops. The next one that's coming into research right now is the hybrid, and you're the first one to hear about this, the hybrid light sling fanny pack abdominal pouch. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of hard to picture, but uh, for for most of the people that have kind of been following, they've known that I've been working on the light sling. But just very recently, I kind of made some changes and just really thought crazy about, can I make this a hybrid design where we can make a fanny pack too? And yes, um, I definitely have design put in there. I just got to see what my supplier does with the prototypes, what work. But every little detail that I know people have complained about, didn't like, uh, I put into this hybrid design. So, hmm. but yeah, that's kind of the big thing coming next. And then the uh, next part is the uh, the wrist pouch for AT's work in wrestling. So kind of like what um people. <laughs> so kind of, so the wrist pouch, uh, as as I call it now, the wrist gauntlet. Uh, I've noticed you know people that work MMA, boxing, the cutmen all have that you know little gadget where they hold their, uh, the, the uh, the the tin can that can hold all the um, the Vaseline. You know we can do that. Uh, holding on the nose plugs, all that stuff. I'm kind of creating a little hybrid system that can do that. Gloves, gauze, nose plugs, vas um, Vaseline case, contact solution case, and it's ambidextrous too. It can definitely hold more than the current models that uh, the Cutmen have. So just step-by-step, step, everything I'm trying to do is just better than everything else. I think watching your videos in terms of like how to pack things and like how to, you know, put them in, put them out. It's like very satisfying how everything's just so organized and how it looks. Um, Cause if you look at like a normal sling, you know, you have tape, you have pre-wrap, you have gauze, you have heel and lace pads. It's just kind of like shoved in one little bag. Um, and you kind of say it's like OCD, but you know, I think with your military background and you know, everyone has like a rucksack or some type of bag where, you know, whatever's in there, that's all you got. So you have to be very, you know, it's very critical to be, um, useful of your space in that bag. So I think you really took that into account as well. So I think that the background aspect actually helps you in that regard. No, thank you, man. Uh, it was, I'll definitely say that even in the military, same thing with internal organization, our standard issue stuff still doesn't really meet that cut. So that's where I really wanted to go inside is to say, we're going to just go nuts, <laughs> just go crazy. You know, just literally uh, the goal of the, the, Anything I do is just literally utilizing and maximizing the efficiency of space internally. Like every, almost every single inch will be used for something, no open spaces. And then um, for exterior parts, I would say, you know, my military background, we're good at, you know, attaching things on the exterior, but interior, wanted to hold it down. So kind of like a car, you know, some people say, you know, the interior is a big selling part of the car. That's my wife says. As someone who lives for organization, it like dan said is so satisfying especially on like your instagram when i get to see how everybody packs differently it's just like oh i love it i love it because i can like pick different things that like different people have done to pack it and oh it's really it's something else i hate the the sling pack that i have 
is just like a generic kind of catalog one and it just like turns into a jumbled mess no matter how well I organize it ahead of time it never stays that way and I feel like it's really satisfying to see the dead bugs and like they get thrown around and they're still organized oh it's lovely thanks and that was that was definitely the one of the biggest goals of you know showing people's loadouts because I know that the way I'm going to pack my bag is going to be different for how you do it and from how you do it and from the other thousands of athletic trainers that pack and I really want to show that no one can, no one should ever be discouraged from you know just doing things their way there's some I guess like I don't know hard-headed ATs that say okay this way is the best way and only way to do it and it's really inaccurate it's really about your loadout is about you finding your efficiency of what can you access in the quickest manner in the most ergonomic manner too. that's what's going to make you mo you know an effective clinician in the field especially your emergency situations so and you know because I, I know people said no just stuff everything in your pockets and when I was in my field ops, no, it's super uncomfortable when you're in the desert wearing, you know, body armor, full camis, boots. It sucked having everything in my pockets. That's why modularity, I, I attached everything in my plate carrier. It was way more organized. So mm -hmm. and kind of field experiences that influenced, you know, <laughs> things that happened with the bag. So. Yeah. I'm excited for that wrist gauntlet for when I work wrestling next season where I can just right there everything because like you said you know you either have like gauze and like nose plugs in your pocket or you have to like go into your bag and after like the first couple matches like stuff's just everywhere so at that point you're just kind of like trying to dig and find whatever is you know is literally on top of your kit so um yeah i think that's definitely like you said just organize and what can you get to as quickly as possible to make sure you know like i said just like from a nosebleed to you know that emergency scenario where you need to get something like you know the screwdriver or trainer's angels or whatever you're using you know it gets in as fast as possible yeah going back to um the the, the wrestling stuff it's i've seen so many different um methods or variations of how at set up for a match it's it's insane but really cool at the same time my old preceptor had um he literally would bring a gallon plastic bag as his trash bag and then hold another thing just to do everything else with so it was just it was a lot. I know a lot of some ATs have the, um, you know, the Gatorade uh, carrier, put some stuff in there too. So there's, you know, a lot of ways to approach it. So it's exciting to see how we can change. Yeah, wrestling matches, especially tournaments, are just like organized chaos. Like you have the announcer yelling, hey, on this mat you have these two guys, on this mat you have those two guys. And as the athletic trainer, you're just kind of following these guys around. Um, you have like your big sling pack and your kit just kind of like running around the gym just trying to figure out where to go at that point. Um, but like you said, I think it's, it's, it'll be good for us to stay organized where I can just keep my big kit in like a central location and then just take what I need, um, you know, Matt's side for whatever, you know, scenario. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what, that's the best way to approach it. Honestly, I don't think you should never, no one should ever have to, you know, travel and bring your main kit with you. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just not, um, realistic. Cause I've seen the problem where, you know, I've worked uh prn events over at at disney and you know some people literally take the soccer field with nothing on them and then you know, i hate to say it, just they look like idiots when they have to you know go back to their kit and grab something after being on the mm -hmm. field you know like what's the point of going on there when you're not ready uh kind of what uh, one of my brand ambassadors you know says just stay ready soon have to get ready i remember one of my preceptors when i was in school said that like i think it was soccer maybe i think it was soccer that like if you have to come, if you have to call the athletic trainer onto the field 
then the only thing I can really do for you at that point is like try to stop whatever bleeding you're having and otherwise you got to come off you know like we can't once I come on you're coming off with me so in that situation I felt like I got in the habit of just carrying scissors gauze gloves and nose plugs in my pocket of just like this is the only thing I can give you on the field otherwise you're coming with me but um, I think for those other sports where theoretically you could be on the field, like patch them up real quick and then they're never going to leave the field, it'd be so much better to have something like the gauntlet and have like actual options to treat. Actually, I low-key thought to see if the gauntlet could work, you know, can it work in football? Can it work in basketball, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, you know, it could be something that's small and effective to use, but I think it's, it takes the right, again, it takes the right people to use it and kind of show, hey, that's really effective here. Because there's going to be that, you know, those handful of people say, oh, look stupid to wear that wrist pouch in a basketball game, a soccer game or a football game. But it's, again, right people, right culture. And that's what we all, you know, that's what I'm here about. Just completely change it and open it up. I didn't think about it, but I feel like football would be a great one. You know how you're like cruising up and down the sidelines and you're like, what the heck, man? You got like, you're bleeding profusely from your leg. How convenient would it be? Just like whip out your gauntlet real quick and fix it. That'd be nice. <laughs> Yeah, just um, as my friend saying, um, gauze powerful accepts and back in. <laughs> I I literally just had to do that today at uh, lacrosse practice. A guy was just bleeding down his arm, and I was like, gauze powerflex, see ya. Yeah, that's unless it's you know a crazy you know laceration or burn that needs more care, but now you could get him back in there quick. Or if you're cool, you have the powerflex AFD, but <laughs> not the high, not my high school. You don't have that money. <laughs> So you're a small business owner, you know, obviously and an athletic trainer as well. Do you kind of see this becoming a common theme where more um, athletic trainers kind of try and branch out and do something on top of being a clinician? Uh, as for, uh, I hope so. But if they, if anyone does, you know, does this path, definitely just do it to where you can, I guess, try not to wear yourself out. Cause just any, any athletic trainer that has their own small business will tell you that it's just, it's exhausting. You know, those first two years just kind of take a lot out of you and you have to really establish, you know, just as you're running the business, what's your goal? Like, are you trying to, you know, just have something to where, you know, you just, you're happy if you make an extra, you know, two to 3000 a year, you know, is that your goal just to keep it small scale or are you trying to really bring up into something that's, you know, it's different, special or to call your full-time gig? Cause that's really, it's going to really help you figure out, you know, how to just, I guess, pace yourself. Um, I would love to see it though. I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, business is the future of the profession. So that, there, you know, no one should ever feel like they're held back from starting their own business. I feel like we've talked to quite a few athletic trainers who are business owners and all in kind of different ways. So we talked to Alicia a couple years ago and she does all of her like per diem and contract work. And then we talked to Audric who does, um, he like owns his sport performance company. And then, I mean, you own a like product based company. So I think it's really cool that athletic trainers are branching out into business, but in like very different ways. And I think it's another like testament to how diverse athletic trainers are that not only like as clinicians can we do a million different things, but like our ability to expand outside of just being clinicians can also be really diverse. And I think that's really cool. Oh, absolutely. I, that's where, I mean, overall with everything we deal with on a day-to-day basis, our jobs, we're, we're meant to do more, you know, every, 
you'll meet every athletic trainer who has that kind of a little niche or specialty that they're really good at. And that, that kind of reflects into what comes out in the business. Like you, everyone, you mentioned Alicia and Audrey, you know, we all have that little thing that kind of makes us special and, you know, to go out there. I think what, what I wanted to do really do at Nexus is kind of show that, you know, you, you don't really need a, this cool innovative product that's being made by a DPT, a Cairo, an LMT. I, it's, I really want to make it known that this is time for us to step up in there and say, okay, cool. Look at this badass product. Oh, wow. It's made by NAT. That's where I'm trying to take athletic trainers to the map of like, no, we can actually set a new standard for products. And that's everything I'm trying to do too. Hmm. So, in the product world, and I know that there's not many like me, you know, in that sense, but it's cool though. It's something different. I think what you just kind of said about, you know, it doesn't need to come from a DPT or you know anybody like that, where your patch says this is the profession uh, or something along those lines and maybe uh, rephrase it wrong. But, you know, kind of talk about how that came to be. I know you're um, kind of be more of an advocate for the profession. Um, and I think, like you said, this is just a way for us to show our value and show our diversity of saying, hey, like we can do these multiple things and we don't need to you know worry about someone who has a higher degree than we do. No, absolutely. I think. So I guess I'll start up with, um, do you just want me to go into those, those two mottos that I'm doing for this uh, this month? Yeah, sure. So um, so the not a stepping stone thing, I guess that really came from just literally friends and family that said, wow, it just kind of seems like some people use athletic trainers to step up to the next thing. And, you know, depending, every, every AT has a different opinion about this. But for me, it's like, not really. Do I, you know, and, and not to hash out in any other profession, but do I want to be a DPT? No. I'll kill myself if I was in a clinic all day. Do I want to be a Cairo? No. Do I want a PA? No. I'll kill myself if I was in an office all day. I love being outside. The body's made to move. I love being in elements. I'm, you know, I spent six years as a field marine. I'm used to the elements. So it's just kind of just kind of repping that we're a whole different profession that not everyone could do. I bet all of y'all have met, um, you know, if you have a PT or a Cairo, I don't know a Cairo, but PT or other health professional out there with you doing everything you do and they can't handle it. Well, it shows that we're a whole different breed. And that also reflects with, you know, the people that are successful or business that athletic training is something completely different and that we're really truly not a stepping stone. Some people have to, you know, kind of get on a level of certain things. I know for all those eval, those crazy evals you do in the sidelines. No, it takes a, a special person to be able to do that and multitask the way we do. So, and then, uh, oh yeah, go into the, the second one. Uh, so the second theme, I guess, and what you said, Dan, I actually do want to make one that says this is a profession. Uh, but the second theme is the heart of sports medicine. I kind of wanted to just a different touch on just showing that without athletic trainers, what's really, you know, sports medicine. I think we really, we're, we're the definition of sports medicine. If you think about it, like who is literally, and everyone says, who's literally on the field in the clinic going to doctor's appointments with athletes? Who is it? Or our, sorry, our patients. Who is that person? That's really us. You know, we're, we're really the pulse. You know, we're the ones there every single moment. It's definitely not the PT that's there every single moment. Not uh, not the team ortho. You know, on sidelines, it's awesome, but not every single day. It's it's really us. So we literally we're the heart, maybe the muscle of sports medicine, but we could be. We're literally a massive part of it. The not a stepping stone, really. Uh hit home with me when I saw it because there were a lot of people that I met along the way that were like oh you're really 
great at this. Like, what are you going to do next? Or they would make like offhanded comment about other athletic trainers. Like, I bet they'd make a great physical therapist or they should really go to medical school. They should go to PA school. And I remember being so frustrated with those people of like, this is a qualified healthcare profession. Like we serve a purpose that other people do not. Like, I don't want to go back to school. I'm an athletic trainer. I'm happy to be an athletic trainer. I don't want to be anything else. And uh, it puts me on my soapbox and like some people, it catches them off guard because they'll make an offhanded comment about it being a stepping stone of some kind. I'm like, look, you're going to hear about this for the next 30 minutes because athletic trainers are qualified healthcare professionals. And whether it's March or not, I'm going to tell you about it because there's no reason to look down on athletic trainers as being less than another allied healthcare provider. It's just, oh, grinds my gears. But I love that patch. It makes me really happy. Thank you. No, exactly, though, because that's where <clears throat> I think, you know, with your story, I think it's kind of happened to everyone. So I guess, you know, when I hear that, you know, I kind of ask myself, how do I, you know, can my company, I guess, try to access that image or make it better? You know, it's I think a part of me thinks about just, you know, how do we elevate the status of athletic training, the image of athletic training? Um, you know, a question I don't know if I could fully answer, but what I could tell you is that my my gear is one step towards it and kind of into the notion of what started Nexus was that. You know, I'll, I'll bash some of the other companies. I just looked at every single piece of gear that we that we we have available from our companies. I just didn't think we were there. I just think that they just kind of make us look like goobers on the sideline. We don't have that sick, badass, edgy style. That kind of, you know, what I was used to the Marines. There wasn't that constant, constant change of technology, innovation, and style. Like every, every couple of months, I see new companies coming out with sick-ass gear. And I'm like, and I look back at, you know, our profession, like we are... God damn, we're like in the stone age here. And that's what I'm trying to bring to the table. If I'm telling you, if I had a million dollars, but it just, you know, just what I'm trying to do, just, just come, just, just change it for us. They sometimes say like, don't, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, the fanny pack is not broken, but I hate it. So like we should improve that. And yet somehow it's not getting improved very quickly. Oh, wait till you see. Wait to see a new model. I'm so excited. It's <laughs> gonna comment, you know, how, you know, everyone sees like the athletic trainer with the fanny pack and the polo and the khakis. You know, I think just, you know, having some personality and like showing your own style to bring to the profession. Like I wear, you know, like nice jogger pants to the clinic every day. I wear like flashy shoes. Dude, joggers wear, are like, the cool future, shirts. man. Yeah, like I like try to bring my own style. Oh, they're so comfortable too. I have like five or six pairs. Can we like go on a, just... can we go on a soapbox about that too? Because I'm I'm more than down. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, I, I just try to bring my own style. Like, granted, like yeah, our podcast is called Pose and Khakis, but like that's just because you know it's the OG uniform, not really uniform, but what we wear. Um, but yeah, like just trying to show some personality. Just like you know, most docs get to wear different colored scrubs or. You know, PTs can wear, you know, whatever the heck they want to their clinic. So I think just trying to show, you know, our style and our personality to what we do. Um, and then along with your sweet gear, you know, I think we look pretty badass on the sidelines. Absolutely. I'll tell you, my, my team ortho and clinic actually wears <laughs> a button-down floral floral shirt. He's styling <laughs> with some sick-ass Nikes. Doc, if he listens to Dr. Kumar, is styling. So, I mean, but again, like if you just talk about, you know, just, you know, bringing yourself up and just, you know, networking style, not just style, but on personality. That's a huge factor. And I think, 
like what you said about, you know, bring your own element. There's, you could definitely make everything you just talked about professional looking or appropriate looking. Absolutely. I mean, there's on Twitter, the big thing is people are talking about saving the athletic joggers because functionally they're better for showing exercises. If you really think yeah. about it. And then uh, people are talking about the quarter zips. I'm all about the quarter zips. I barely wear polos. I'm a big, big fan of the, uh, big fan of the t-shirt with the quarter zip. And it just looks, it just looks nice. Like, you know, it but does. it looks perfect. Like you it's said, sleep. it looks professional at the same time. Yeah. Or um, what's he all into? I don't know if people, this is really more if you work football or baseball, but those, I guess like those pullovers with the, the V cutter, I think those are just, those are sexy. Yeah, I'd, I mean, if I had, if I could, I don't know, expand into apparel business, I would just make my own line of just, you know, cut clothing, athletic trainer uniforms. I don't know. Can I do that? Maybe. I hope you do, because I would definitely buy a quarter zip with the logo on it. That'd be sick. You have to get a, the quarter, like a fleece quarter zip, and it's like a, a short sleeve. The, the, mm-hmm. They're basically cage jackets. Like we had them in baseball. Yeah, the cage jackets. Those are tough. Yeah. They're amazing. I would I would rock those. I would rock <laughs> I would rock those in the gym during a wrestling match for sure. They're so comfy. And oh man, because I'd say you know again I'll hop in the soapboxing the polos. It's oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just I think it's something I think we kind of just need to, you know I think you know you wear a polo but it's just you know again we're we're shifting forward. It's twenty twenty two now. And my thing is, I'm I'm down to gray. I think gray is the new khaki. That's just my opinion. Mm. I'm not about the gray. I totally, charcoal totally gray specifically. agree. Charcoal, charcoal gray goes with anything. Yeah. Also, just black. Like, I think I own one pair of actually khaki colored khakis. All the rest of mine are gray or black. But you can't wear light gray. That gets a little iffy. It does. But my khakis just get horribly dirty no matter what i do i, I don't trust myself wearing khakis it's it's or like that camel color the camel color is pretty nice too mm-hmm. and it is unavoidable yeah or like an olive green i've also really leaned towards the olive green as like a kind of neutral color i'm a fan absolutely that's just that, I, I think it just kind of goes with your school i guess your school colors or if you're gonna wear black or white you're mm-hmm. fine so but you know us being a usf i rock olive green pants all the time yeah, yeah. I'm a. I get down mm-hmm. with a. I get down with a good pair of navy pants. Dude, like, the navy I've, is also. Clutch. I have a. I have a pair of navy joggers, uh, but they're like, dress pants. Well, not like dress pants, but they're casual with the jogger. Whew. Yeah, they're nice. Can't go with the navy either. Shout out to uh, Bare Bottom Clothing for my pants. If you uh, are interested in. <laughs> I'll have to check them out, man. I've been actually think I've been. Everyone's been telling me go try Lulu or Prana. I've heard. Great things about I just, both. I just think they're so expensive, but like, granted, like it'd be worth it because I, I would wear them, you know, three, four times a week. So I guess I can just. Well, we get the discount for Lulu, because I believe athletic trainers do qualify for the Lulu discount. Also, you get the lifetime warranty with Lululemon. That like, if your seams start to wear out, you just send it back and they fix it, and then it comes back to you. So like, it's a it's a long term investment. No, in a sense. And that's what I'm learning. And, you know, a lot of things that you literally get what you pay for. I always find it um, really ironic that uh, that we named our podcast after my two least favorite things to wear. I hate polos and I definitely hate cats. Oh, There's never a situation where I'm like, oh, it's catchy, but I hate it. <laughs> I don't know. Could you do like a 
Now no joggers and quarter zip sounds good. <laughs> I like it, but people would be confused. Just call it Q zips and joggers or something like that. Oh, I like that Q zips. I'll, I'll actually, you know what, Dan? Since you say that, if whenever I come up with my own quarter zip, I'm gonna call it a Q zip. I'm a little gonna put Q zip because mm. of you. I'll, 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 I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> put it, put in writing right now. I want all of the uh, copyright. And uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the official Nexus cues it. Facts. Maybe we can just agree on a trade that free Q-zips for creating the idea today. I could do that easily. Yeah. No doubt. So you mentioned it a little bit before that um, you served in the Marines. Um, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how you feel like you're um, military experience kind of helped you with athletic training and with your business? Yeah, I would definitely say with um, just military experience going into athletic training, I saw that I think it was just a part of it was patience and uh, the attention to detail kind of with what I did specifically with my job in the Marines is that, you know, I had to, I had to help coordinate live fire of artillery. So it was super fast pace, uh, a lot of yelling, crunching a bunch of numbers and every little detail is important because if we get a number wrong, uh, we're blowing up the wrong target. And when we, when we train with artillery, we're not, you know, you can't, not like a rifle or a pistol, you can get blanks, but with artillery, we're shooting live hundred round shells into the air. So it's a very minimal margin for error. And I think that's where I'm um, just kind of, you know, that, and also even just, I guess the hardships that I went through in the Marine Corps, just with the field ops and just, just being tough about everything, the grind, that's what helped me overall, you know, the athletic training in school, you know, everyone, every athletic training student, you know, trainer can tell you, but near a student, it was tough. Uh, but for me, it just, it didn't really seem that stressful. The only part that, you know, it kind of sucked was, okay, if I fail class, I'm paying for it. But nothing really about school that made it, you know, extremely stressful from what I dealt with on my field ops. Hmm. And as far as I'm um, going to business, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I kind of think that, you know, with everything I learned in the military, it taught me a lot of patience with just approaching everything. And then it just being tactically minded with every, you know, every decision I make, I think it's a lot of what you do in business is thinking game and just having to think uh, carefully and, and soundly too. Those are definitely those big factors that helped me out. Uh, when we talked previously, you said that there was a special forces uh, story of failure that you had and it kind of like ignited your fire. Do you want to elaborate on that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so for me, I, you know, I guess this kind of starts with, you know, one of the other things that brought me into starting Nexus was because, so coming down here from Temple, uh, back when I was in Temple, the unit I served with um, were dudes I served with, you know, my field ops for almost five years. So if you imagine, you know, your cohort, you've been, you know, with them for a couple of years, uh, super strong bonds. And I kind of, you know, when I came down to USF, I transferred to a unit, new unit here in Tampa. Um, you know, made some new bonds, but when I got out of the Marine Corps, it was kind of, I guess it hit me a little bit differently because I just saw that, you know, I, I don't have that same group of friends, all those people I made those really strong bonds with. It's just kind of, you know, we're physically away, you know, you know, it's just tough to not, you know, see that, you know, they're, they're friends I have for life. And it's, you know, kind of took me away from my connections to the military. So I think for even before I even started Nexus, I've been trying to find a way to, you know, just get back into that military realm. You know, I'll tell anyone that if, you know, given the right opportunity here in this area, I'll strap on, you know, give me my dead bug, give me my plate carrier, 
strapping up in boots and I'll go in the field and not shower for three weeks. I can do it. How many ATs can do that? Um, so kind of going into that, that special forces job, those, you know, contract open here in McDill. And, you know, I saw the qualifications and, you know, I just hit that um, minimum experience time of five years, but it did say that, you know, they preferred someone who had a candidate who had a professional D1 or Olympic experience under their belts. And they also did say that they also preferred people who had military experience. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. Let me see if the military experience can at least hold me down a little bit, you know, get me in. Uh, so with throughout this whole process, I, you know, I was just talking through the contractor, not actually the people from the military base itself. And the contractor told me that they can't consider me for even the first step of the interview process because I don't have any professional experience, D1 experience, Olympic experience, even though I was a field Marine for six years. You know, it's not that, oh, when I did my rocks, when I didn't shower for weeks, when I understand the mental, I guess the the struggles, the mental struggles that not when you go through in your field ops, but the things that they deal with when they go home. It's all those different factors that I know I can help out with being with, you know, being with the people in the field that they really didn't understand. A uh, little that, you know, I come and know that another AT that I connected with said, yeah, actually, you know, I actually was able to get to that, you know, that interview process. And he told me that, you know, he has, you know, lots of experience with um, uh, professional baseball, professional football, you know, did well with that. But by the time he actually went on base to go meet with the, I guess, the master sergeant of the program, he told me he ripped his ass apart because he had no understanding or no experience with the military. So it's, again, you know, just kind of one of those things where, you know, I think we're in athletic training. How do we kind of make that change into just getting away from that? Oh, high level working in a higher level of, you know, of performance. Does that really make you a better clinician? And that was also a lesson for me to where I kind of realized, you know, I'm not going to just let, you know, someone else determine my future. That's for anyone listening. No, screw that. It just wasn't, you know, if you're going to wait for someone to, you know, to determine if you're good enough for something, you're going to wait a long ass time. And that's where I really just took it in my own hands. I'm going to do it myself. And now instead of, you know, trying to apply for every military job, people are going to ask me for my gear and military units, just bring it the other way around. I think that's just wild for me that you needed professional D1 or Olympic experience when essentially, you know, I would consider that a D1 experience that if you were, in the military itself, you, like you said, you understand the demands, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, you know, out in the field, or even like you said, when they bring it home, it just doesn't really add up to me that saying, oh yeah, you're a Marine, but you don't have the experience qualifications to work with military personnel as an athletic trainer. That just doesn't really add up to me. Yeah. And then also just talking to the contractor, they said that, you know, it's a big part of it was out of the reach, you know, just literally what the contract I guess just wanted and and they understood, but they told me you know if it was a regular military position, I'd be a shoe in. But that just you know special forces is a different breed itself. But they also you know they consider special forces personnel to be you know high level athletes, and that's one of their main reasons of wanting someone who had you know experience of high level, you know high high level athletics. That was their main notion for it. Mm. But you know, forgive my language. But like it's still kind of bullshit. <laughs> like, oh, it's bullshit. I feel Absolutely. like there's so there's so many quote unquote high level. I hate I hate that that's even a thing. 
um, athletic trainers that will tell you that like high school athletic trainers work way harder in a lot of different aspects of athletic training than professional or high school athletic trainers do. Like the ability to juggle 400 student athletes is crazy and that's way more applicable to like the demands of like large numbers or having a million different things to do at the same time. Like I get that there's a mentality around like quote unquote elite athletics or whatever it is you want to say, but like this idea that like has permeated athletic training that people who work with high schools or um, like youth athletics are not as qualified or not as skilled or not as valuable as someone who lucked into a college job like that's insane to me it's oh that's another one I'll get on my soapbox of <laughs> I got you well that's where to kind of reply to that that's where I call it the um the red pill to blue the blue pill complex when you get out of school uh, my current student right now is asking me you know about certain things she's trying to do and I you know she wasn't able to get a certain job she wanted but I told her ask those people what are they looking for you know for the future you know because she doesn't have that experience but again you know, can we kind of change that red pill or blue pill complex? You go this way, this is the path you're going down. You go this way, this is the path you're going down, but you could still make it to these other realms. And kind of, it just seems like the high school setting is just that that one pill where, oh, you just can't get out of it. Maybe if you're lucky, if you have the right connection. But if you go college, you can go up and down every every direction you want to go. Mm-hmm. So again, that's, that's a whole different battle for another uh, <laughs> podcast, but it's, you know, I, I call it the red pill or the blue pill complex. I think just kind of going off what Liz says too is that, you know, you have to be so much more resourceful as a high school athletic trainer compared to like a, a high level college or professional because in the pros you have, you know, five or six ATs, you have hot tubs, cold tubs, alter G's, you know, any bells and whistles that you want, you know, you can do BFR. And then when you get to the high school, it's like, okay, like you have an ACL or you have a shoulder dislocation or whatever injury you have. And say, so, okay, I don't have any of those things what the hell can I do to get this kid back as quickly as possible, but also, you know, rehab him and progress him properly, all while managing, like Liz said, everyone else, you know, since you're probably the only athletic trainer there. Um, and I'm sure you have plenty. Everyone knows yeah. that. <laughs> I'm sure you've had several experiences with that. You know, I know you have your students too, but for the most part, you know, you're the you're the one guy at your school to, to handle everyone's business. So, um you know, and even when like stuff hits the fan too, you know, it's, you're the one that looks so you don't have, you know, the team doc, the team emergency, the, all the assistant athletic trainers you have, you know, coming and running out to help you. It's just kind of like, okay, what can I do with the two people that I have and make this work? No, and it's definitely, you know, I think about that from, I had a crazy uh, total knee dis- dislocation in the fall where, you know, my, one of my football players almost got, got his tibia uh, amputated. Wow. And literally I was, who was next to me was my first year student. Yeah. You know, I handled the situation fine, but you know, he was, you know, we were still waiting on EMS. I told my student, Hey, just go check him out. This is what I want. I'm glad you got to see this. So this, you can understand the presentation of this, but again, it's, yeah, it's, it's reality of what we deal with as high school athletic trainers and you have to be just uh, not comfortable. It's a, it's an awesome model. I like to live by just that comfort just kind of is an illusion that just builds complacency. Like you have to be ready for anything because shit could just go down any second. Mm-hmm. And you're by yourself on the island, as uh, my old preceptors like to say, as a high school team. <laughs> mm. Well, now I'm really fascinated to know, can you tell us any more about this uh, 
knee dislocation? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so the way it works at my high school is that our practice field and our, or sorry, our football practice field and our main turf field are at least a quarter mile away from each other, maybe even a third of a mile. So, uh, we were on the, it was, it was, it was a Thursday. So we were just doing walkthrough and I remember early in the season and then two of the JV kids come and say, Chad, you need to come over now. Like some, you know, someone dislocated his knee, you know, so usually, you know, statistically, okay, it's most likely Patel. All right. So my student and I run over and when we get there, I was like, Oh no, no, this ain't the knee. I said, it's not the Patel. Definitely not the Patel. And it had such a weird presentation. So he was sidelined. So I was able to, I guess, at least, you know, bend my head over on the grass and really look. And it was such a subtle malalignment. So before, Mm. and what I had to do was even identify the malalignment, you know, like, you know, like a regular clinician, I went bilaterally and it was just, it was still really subtle. But I mean, it was enough to the point where I'm like, nah, this isn't it. Yeah, we got to call no one right now. And, yeah. uh, you know, just going into what happened that night, his dad, his father told me that probably a few seconds, a few few hours going into the first hospital, they air flew him to St. Joe's, Maine, where they had to do emergency surgery. And what happened is that before that surgery, they almost, they said that they were having issues uh, getting the pulse. And that's why they almost thought about amputating him. But before that surgery, I guess in that part of the procedure, they were able to find his pulse and they did a um, an exfil on him and just mm. seeing the surgery pressure just... God, I think it was eight or nine rods femur down to his foot, just holding it together. Wow. That's scary. So it was just laterally displaced? Yep, Tibby was laterally displaced. How did he do and that? And maybe I'll give it. Uh, foot was just planted and got hit in an awkward way. He was a lineman. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to think. If anything maybe a centimeter it was it was really subtle really really subtle really small huh but enough to impede blood flow that's crazy well you figure if it goes laterally it probably hit like you know the nerve or even artery over there i mean because it's pretty superficial on that side if it goes laterally mm-hmm. yeah pretty crazy though mm-hmm. that is a that's a good one i haven't heard any crazy stories recently so that was uh that was a good one yeah, but you know every injury presents itself differently. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so t- Dan and I have both been out of Tampa for a while. I know there's been a lot of changes in like the landscape of athletic training down there. Do you want to catch us up? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So with um, <clears throat> so not so for, as far as like you know the just a specific Tampa area, every every high school has an athletic trainer, which is good because back you know when I was mm-hmm. a GA back when you were students, you know, coming to some of our high schools, I can't remember there were multiple high schools that just flat out didn't have an AT. You know, it's a massive problem. So um, I think maybe some of you were on the field of us where, you know, we would go to a game and, oh shit, looks like we're covering both sidelines tonight. That sucks. Mm -hmm. And now, uh, you know, now we're in that situation where it's, you know, it's not an issue. So at least, you know, having PT solutions take on the whole load every time that we have a, you know, a game in not just Tampa, not just in Tampa, but also Pasco County, it's a PT Solutions athletic trainer. So for the most part, I, you know, I've met most of the people and I can just get their number if anything happens. So just having that little network def- definitely does help and also kel- helps keep stories straight whenever you're trying to follow up with injuries. Mm-hmm. So definitely just, you know, that's in that realm of Tampa Bay, that's what's going on. Um, I don't know if anything's changed in the 
Pinellas County area. But every AT, there's an AT for every high school, all 27 high schools in Tampa, which is insane. And then my high, my high school is the newest, and they're actually building another high school even more south of me, even at the border of the county, because uh, my high school is already 130% capacity. Holy so. cow. Do you think there's positives and negatives to having ATs contracted through a PT clinic based or compared to being uh, employed through the school itself? Yeah, I'd say, so I guess with like the PT model, definitely one of the biggest pros is just being able to refer just because um, for me at my high school, I have a really small room. It makes no sense that I'm at the newest, most technologically advanced high school in the county, technically the biggest high school in the county. And my room is not bigger, not much bigger than my bedroom at home. So, and for that fact, you know, it's easier. It's, it takes so much load off of me when I can just refer, refer, refer out for PT, because I know there'll be some math lawyers that want to say, okay, let me just take it all on. And no, it's just not realistic in some sense. Cause at the end of the day, it's about giving the best care to, you know, to the athletes. Right. So that's where it kind of helps out with having that. And then specifically PT solutions, at least, you know, we don't have to do um, always a physician referral. Sometimes they're qualified for direct access. So you don't have to go through the hassle of, all right, cool. I have to wait. Oh crap. I have to wait five, seven days for the ortho referral. Then it gets sent over. I can, we can get it hit in pretty quick, pretty quick, just through direct access. Um, you know, going through the County for me, I don't have as much experience just because, you know, ever since I came down here to Florida, I, you know, I've never been just, you know, paid by County. I guess my only experiences from what I saw were, through, you know, colleagues and also my preceptors up north to where, you know, it's, they talk about, you know, the, um, I get the pensions, some people have to teach, but it, it seems like the county aspect is just a little bit more, it's a little more straight line. You know, the only people you're doing are just people in the school. So the only economy just having, you know, contract through PT company, it's not that I have to report to everyone in the company, but also, I, you know, I still have to do with the school. So it's kind of like, you have two different entities. So sometimes it feels like it's two separate jobs. Always pros and cons. Is, thing. is there a pressure to refer athletes um, to the PTs? Like, hey, like if an injury is going to take longer than you know a week to ten days to recover, you know you you should just refer to the PT. It depends on actually. First, it depends on the company, but um, I guess with the injury uh, around that time period, yes. But it also depends on you're looking at uh, family situations. You know what's going on at home logistically with treatment and that's where the communication with parents is super important just trying to get in the same page of what are you trying to do full circle that seems right for the patient so because sometimes you know uh they have a certain health insurance to where oh if their deductible i guess isn't met but their network of pt oh pt is going to be 200 per session because you know insurances are crazy but i've heard those stories where oh yeah we couldn't get they'll say hey we can't get your person in because you their insurance can be way too expensive to pay for it. So, you know, you try to do those measures if, you know, you want to refer, but it doesn't always work in every situation. But I mean, as far as like pressure, I mean, it, it depends. It's just, it's always, always situational. And I always just try to take it with what's also going to help make my life easier and make the athlete's life easier too. Because I've had athletes say, tell their parents, yeah, just, you know, you, we see Jay, Jay every day, but he is so goddamn busy. <laughs> I feel like it's awesome that they all have athletic trainers now because, like you said, rolling up to a game and seeing that you're the only one there is uh, 
not great. It's not a great feeling. <laughs> um, I do, my first thought was though, like, if playing the game of Monopoly taught me anything, is that Monopolies get a little risky. Um, so I'm hopeful that PT Solutions is like doing a great job and like everything will get taken care of, but it's also, not, also nice to kind of have some diversity to like promote the highest quality of care at the same time. You know what I mean? A little competition goes a long way, I think, with that. Oh, it does. I think, well, well, funny thing is even in, in Tampa, technically, um, it's technically not all by PT Solutions. The only places off the top of my head, Jesuit, Carolwood Day, maybe like one or two other places. So, you know, I think, I, I believe, you know, competition's a good thing, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, there's always a, you know, risk involved of everything. And then also what we're looking at in Tampa is when it comes down to budgets and, you know, how, you know, certain people or certain people, certain people or companies are put into a place. We're looking at, you know, things that are way above everyone's pay scale, way above me, you know, why certain people are at a certain spot. So, but at least like they, you know, our county has made it known that they want to have athletic trainers at every school. Um, you saw that. I don't know if you guys know that Hernando County is now starting to do it. So, mm. no, I'm sure not taking that long, but it's, again, it's, you know, they're at least, excuse me, putting those notions into place. Got to start somewhere with everything. So, because at least getting someone in the in the school and, you know, showing what we can do as a profession is a is a step in the right direction. So, kudos to the uh, Tampa area high schools. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, I find it interesting as because when I first started at my hospital, I was contracted for high school outreach, and it was um. It was really interesting because I interacted with people that were contracted out through um, some physical therapy, some other hospitals, and then were directly employed through their schools. And like you said, it was like there's a lot of pros and cons to all of them. Some work really well uh, for different things. Um, but it was really interesting like how little awareness any of the kids or parents had about why any of us were at those schools. Like we could all agree that like That's true. my my kids and my parents had no idea that I went and I spent two days a week at the hospital in the clinic when they didn't see me or that the ones that are through physical therapy clinics had to go to physical therapy and all this stuff or the ones that had to teach, they thought they just like did that for fun, you know? And so I think it's, um, it's interesting that that's how our salaries are justified, but the, 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 stakeholders in us being there have no idea that that's the case no and again that's where i'll easily say and preach that business is the future um i'm not i don't not the most educated about the whole third party insurance model but again if you look at just how you know the reason why you know the whole soapbox of salaries why nurses pts every other health profession is you know a bit higher because of that model Mm -hmm. it's literally the truth. And so, you know, can we get there? I hope so. I'm just not the, you know, the person to, you know, the push for that. But again, that's how you can help justify something a little more. And that's where I, you know, business is really the future and how we can monetize everything athletic training. I, I talked to a lot of people about just, you know, making those changes. Now in a high school setting, I think it would look crazy, you know, if we were to itemize all those little things we do, but could it happen in the future? I don't know if it'll happen in Hillsborough County. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, right place, right people. That's what it takes. We've also talked to a few, I know Audric, like Liz mentioned, and the, the candidate T guys, um, and Todd, uh, Sable, they kind of talked about being, or going through like a cash base type way, um, where they kind of skip that middleman of, of insurance and third party reimbursement. And I think that's also a great option that we're heading in because, you know, we can do what we want and not really have to worry about, oh, like we're scheduled for six weeks of PT. All right. We have to make sure that they make it through all six weeks. You know, we can try and find that quick fit or the, the quick, much, the fix much quicker, um, and get our patients back to whatever they're doing. Well, that's what we're known for, man. I mean, definitely us as ACs, I think, you know, athletes are known for being, you know, like great white sharks, lazy and just want to do the least to get what they want. Uh, so just kind of that, you know, like that model you said, that's something I'm actually looking at transitioning Nexus, another division of Nexus to just doing our private practice and just charging cash. Because a lot of people know when it comes to insurance, it's also a big hassle because, you know, guess what? The insurance companies are the ones that control how much is being made. Is that really fair? So by cash, you know, you as the clinician or you as the business can kind of control it and see fit to, you know, does someone think that what you're doing is worth what they're paying? Mm-hmm. And there's plenty, there's, there's a lot of, you know, clinicians that are definitely doing that. So, yeah. Especially the quick fixes. We have, you know, us as athletes know so many ways to, you know, just uh, temporarily just, you know, ease some pain, you know, temporarily find some range of motion, mobility, flexibility, everything. I think, um, I think it was Kevin from the Canada athletic training guys. He works, um, basically kind of like a clinic base, but it's, it's cash, cash base. And he kind of works, he, he kind of portrays that as a consultant where if it was a PT clinic, you'd have to go to the doc, get a script for PT, then go and schedule it where him, they can just come in and be like, Hey, like past couple of weeks, I've been having like some hip or back pain just because I've been increasing, you know, my workout routine or I'm start or working on the house, things like that. Um, and he's like, Hey, like, just try these out. Um, and then come back to me in a couple of weeks if it isn't, isn't working. So they don't have to, like you said, go uh, to the doc for a script and then to the PT. They can just kind of go to him. They can kind of talk about it. And then, you know, he, he's more of a resource that way than having to go through multiple hoops just to get to him. And imagine a system like that. Yeah. Imagine a system like that. It's so easy. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just. <laughs> well, Jay, I want to ask you our standard question. And that is, what advice would you give to athletic trainers, students, young professionals, anybody you'd like about anything you'd like? Um, oh, yeah. I remember, you always do this. I, I should have prepared better for this question. Okay. <laughs> um, just at the top of my head, this, what I like to tell anyone, even doesn't matter if you're coming you know, right out, but I think most people, specifically as an athletic trainer, you're going to find a point to where there's something that's giving you issues. You're struggling. You feel like you're stuck. I have a lot of these, you know, I, I personally do feel stuck that, you know, whatever you're trying to push for, that you have to be stubborn in your vision. And what I mean about being stubborn in your vision is that you have to stay focused on it, but be willing to take different ways into achieving it. You know, just because, you know, you couldn't, like for me, just because I couldn't get there get that um, special forces job doesn't mean I end my path into connecting with the military. There's another way to do it. If there's a will, there's a way. That's, I'll definitely say that. That's fine. That's my thing. That kind of reminds me of the, uh, the chart. It's like what success, what people think it looks like. It's just a straight line, straight up. 
but in reality, it's zigzags, there's circle backs, there's, you know, falls, there's rises, you know, to kind of finally get to that point. Like you said, you know, you don't have to work in, at least for in, in Nexus case, you don't have to work in the military setting to be, you know, to help them in a way. And I think, you know, Nexus is heading in that direction to help the military, which would be great. Yeah. I mean, that's also, you know, kind of what happened with just, you know, staying on that path with my first product. Yeah, you know, the first thing didn't work out. And that's where at the end of the day, the bags were always number two. And I knew and when I saw that the that first product wasn't working, you know, I said, OK, cool. My drag, my bags are being drawn up. Let me just put it back on the path. And we were there now. You know, that's my flagship line. So, yeah, I like the acknowledgement, though, that like everybody feels like that at some point that like it's not working out the way you want it to or the way you thought you did because I think there's a lot of people who like don't want to acknowledge that they don't want to be like oh this isn't what I wanted it to be or um, I'm not getting where I want to go it's just like power through or switch professions go make it a stepping stone and go somewhere else you know yeah Um, I think it's like maybe more of a conversation we should be having with each other of like how did you power through this? Because uh, it's guaranteed that somebody else has felt that same kind of shitty stuckness that I think you were talking about. Absolutely. I mean, something I'll definitely say that I like to do, and maybe, I don't know if some people like it, I like to conf- confront issues, you know? And I think like what you just talked about, it's, again, it's a talking point, you know? Why well, beat around the bush about it? You know, if I'm gonna go interview at a place, I'm happy to talk about salary. If I was, you know, if I'm applying for a sales position, I can be bold as I want because guess what? I sell my own products. I know what the hell I'm doing. You know, just kind of pushing into that. And then, you know, adding on to what I just said earlier, don't also, um, don't let someone else or another entity determine, you know, what you're worth or what you can do or where you can go. But you, you can do, I mean, you could do it yourself. It's, I mean, it's, it's a bit harder, but if you go down that road, you'll find yourself in a place where you just, you build something different and there's going to be something different about you that no one else can really feel or can feel. I like, I like it. it. It's, like it's a good one. one. Well said. All right. We're going to finish up with something new. We added to our 2.0 version of Poles and Khaki, something called this or that. Are you ready? Oh, I hope so. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So sit you one to school in Temple, I feel like this one may be a little bit of a hot debate. Would you rather have a Philly cheesesteak or a pub sub? Oh, cheesesteak any day. Do you have a go-to spot in Philly? All right, listen to me. All right, all y'all got to go to D'Alessandro's over in Manion. D'Alessandro's and Manion. Oh, I see you I see you going. Yeah. This this man knows his cheesesteaks. I am backing him. <laughs> I, will, I will die on the hill that D'Alessandro's is uh, – is the best cheesesteak in Philly. Not Patch, Gino's, Tony Lou's. Can I tell a quick story about that? Go ahead. Yeah, so we were, um, so when, when I was a senior fall semester, I was at um, Philadelphia University before turning to Jefferson University. And little did I know that five minutes down the road, Dan, Dallas Andres is right there, Manny Young. How about that? Goddamn. Imagine that, man. And that's where it began. So, so my story with Dallas or D'Alessandro's is uh, my buddy from college. He had an interview at Chop just as like a research position or whatever. So I went there um, for the day with him. And then his buddy, who his girlfriend who lived in some part of Philly, was moving to Manny Young for a job or whatever. And she's like, hey, like, don't worry about it. Like, I'll pay you and we'll we'll grab lunch at um, at this cheesesteak place. And I'm like, oh, this 
I was so set on another place. It might have been like Tony Luke's or Pat's. I'm like, no chance this is the best. She literally said this is the best cheesesteak in Philly. And we pull up, and I'm like, oh, this hole-in-the-wall place, like, no shot. Walked in, took, like, three bites, and I'm like, right here, winner. It's it's so good. <laughs> and, like, I've came to realize, like, those those small, like, hole-in-the-wall, like, places, those are the – that's the best. Anyway, like, even for, like, barbecue or anything like that, oh, it's so good. So much passion. If you're listening to this and you're going to NATA this summer in Philly, do yourself a favor. Go to De Los Andros in Maniunk. I promise you, you will not uh, regret it. The Uber yes. rides are worth it. Absolutely. Yes, totally. But if you don't have the time for the Uber ride, I'll go. I can go Jim's is my number two because you know, I don't always get to go there. I'm going to go Tony Luke's number two because they sell them at the Phillies game. So when I go, I get Tony Luke's. Gotcha. So I can go either way. I mean, still, like you said, this or that, cheesesteak over, over pasta any day. I, I agree. All right, last one. Will you rather, if you're out on the sidelines, do you rather – Rock the over-the-shoulder sling pack or the OG fanny around the waist? Are we talking like the current OG model or what I'm proposing? No, like what you're like if the Nexus fanny or the Nexus sling. Oh, crap! Damn, I can't go different. If you had to pick between one of them, okay, I'll probably go fanny. That is a bold statement. It is, and uh, this is I, so oh, wild. Yeah, I, we gotta. Can I hop on like just to talk about the ergonomics of every t- single kit type? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, because I need to see this fanny pack that you're designing because I hate a fanny pack. But you are so like you're confident in the fanny of as being better than the sling. So now I'm fascinated. I gotta see it now. The slings that I've had just like irritated my shoulder. And like the fanny just feels more, I just feel more comfortable with it, you know? It is fanny. I mean, it's comfortable. I think what the toughest thing about the fanny though is like the sling size. Everyone has a preference with size. So I kind of, I did something a little bit different with the fanny where you can change that. Think about that. Ooh. I'm intrigued. There you have it, folks. A teaser for the upcoming fanny release size adjustable. Something completely, not just, not literally the waist strap, but the bag itself. Hmm. How do I I'm do here it? for it? We'll see. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. You're, you're the man behind the design, so we'll just have to wait and see uh, when it comes out. I mean, we're, already, we're already excited for it. Okay. Well, I'll see, if we're lucky, I will be at NATA. I'll, I'll happy announce that I might be at NATA this summer. <gasps> A Nexus booth? Oh. That's exciting. So when the expo opens, everyone everyone better run to the Nexus booth at the expo when it first opens because stuff will go quick. And also, yeah, I yeah. hope to have that new model in there, along with the – I'll give you a little insight. The um, – what's it called? The Lima Project, too. Another product in development. So many tidbits for just our podcast listeners. This is exciting. Right? It's cool. Just for y'all. Yeah. Love it. All right, Jay. Well, this was awesome. You brought some some great tidbits about your business, about, you know, just ATs in general. Uh, and I think a lot of people can take home some things that we said today. So thanks for being on. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been awesome. Uh, you Nexus Sports Medicine on Instagram? Yes. Uh, on Instagram, it's going to be at uh, nexus.sportsmed.
nice and simple. There you go. Give everyone, a, uh, give that a follow, uh, follow all the stuff. You can watch all of him pack in and pack out all of his stuff. It's very pleasing. Um, and you get to stay up to date with all the stuff that's coming out in the near future. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And as always, remember who you are. And make good choices. Yeah. <laughs>